and um another thing i think i think the whole like the coronavirus from my talk with people because i've been asking people at work i've been asking people in my daily life if they know how to grow green peppers or what kind of (laughs) knowledge they know enlighten me and a lot of people to that I've talked to have started to get into gardening. Mm-hmm. I think they have more time on their hands. So they're, you know, they're, they're focusing on growing some food. Um, one of my coworkers just started a little, uh, little hop garden. It's got some like basil and all sorts of stuff. I and mean, we've been talking, just think, I think it's wonderful that people are looking into food and uh, trying to grow it themselves, you know? Hello and welcome to Talk Ag to Me, the podcast dedicated to improving egg literacy around the globe. I'm your host, Brian Black, and in today's episode, we're talking all about bell peppers, uh, above all things. Uh, to help me with this topic, we have a new special guest by the name of Randy. I'm going to let him go, go ahead and give his own introduction, so uh, take it away, Randy. Hello, Brandon. Thank you for having me. I am Road Rage Randy. I run a little show <laughs> called Driving with Randy. Usually I'm driving in my car. It's like we go on little adventures and we talk about nothing. So today I thought we'd actually talk about something. I had some questions about bell peppers. <laughs> awesome. Glad to hear it. Uh, yeah. So that's, I mean, that you kind of reached out to me, um, you know, on Discord about talking about bell peppers and to be perfectly honest i don't know the most about them but i did do a little bit of research so i think that we can have a pretty fun conversation about them and kind of learn some things i'm looking forward to it recently i've been um been just kind of thinking more about what i'm eating and where things come from and i eat a lot of fruits and vegetables it's just like blows my mind that something comes from like a little tiny seed and people put all this like effort and love into growing it and then we get to just eat it so I'm like why go to the store and buy green peppers when I could just grow my own I just feel like I'd have so much more fulfillment out of that yeah no I I definitely can can agree with that point of view I mean that's kind of the mentality of a lot of uh, you know, gardeners, small, you know, small uh, operation farmers, you know, hobby farmers, that's kind of their mentality is like, you know, spending a lot of money on this when I don't really know where it's coming from, I might as well do it myself. That way I know what's going into it. And, and I'm probably gonna be saving money along the way. This might be a stupid question. But is there a is there a difference between gardening and farming? Like, at what point does gardening become farming? That's actually a really good question. So I'm not sure if there's like a like a um, a numerical difference in terms of size, but typically that is the the distinguishing factor. So if you're uh, if you're making a a large scale operation, so like let's just say you have you know a, a potting bench full of full of plants versus an acre full of crops, if and all the crops are are the same or they're very similar, or you have a, a very similar practice to uh, applying different chemicals to them or anything like that, then that's when it becomes farming. You know, if it's, if it's just a, a very, very small operation, like, you know, just like a, a small little subset of land that you use for a variety of different crops, then it tends to be considered gardening. So it's really okay. size based, a uh, variety of crop based, a variety of practice based. So there's really not a, 
as far as I know, there's not a surefire definition that distinguishes the two, but it, it typically is kind of like a, you know, you know it as you see it kind of situation. I, I just want to know if I should start telling my friends to call me Farmer Randy once I got <laughs> some green pepper sprouting. <laughs> hey, I mean, my mom has a garden and she calls herself a farmer every time she pulls off a tomato. So you go right ahead. I respect that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> awesome. So I was actually, I was, I was interested. You just said that you wanted to grow uh, green peppers. Are, are, do you know the difference between the different types of peppers? I do not, but I was thinking last night in regards to bell peppers, mm -hmm. is it called a bell pepper? Because if you shake it, the seeds like make kind of, it's kind of like a bell, you know, you shake it <laughs> and the seeds ring back and forth within the pepper. I don't That's what I was thinking last night. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think that definitely is part of the name inspiration. Um, it also has to do with the, the fact that the actual uh, fruit itself is shaped like a bell, you know, kind of like mm -hmm. one of those old, like, like, uh, like giant bells, like kind of like the Liberty Bell. Yep. Um, so it's kind of, you know, I'm, I'm sure that the seeds ringing back and forth was definitely an inspiration too, though. Yeah, it, yeah I mean, there's all sorts of different colors of the peppers too. I, I, this week, I bought an orange one. So oh, yeah. I, I don't know what I'm going to, I don't know what I'm going to try and grow. I might, uh, every morning I have the same breakfast. It's three eggs, a handful of spinach and green peppers, red peppers. And then this week I added orange peppers and then I put jalapenos in there too. Huh. So I'm just, I kind of, I, I want to grow my breakfast. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Um, now apparently, so I'm, I'm looking at an article right now. Apparently there's also purple peppers really like purple yeah. bell peppers yeah really apparently um, i've never seen a purple pepper before but i mean it sounds like something from a from a kid's tongue twister <laughs> oh my gosh there is they kind of look like an eggplant like they a do. smaller version of an eggplant yeah it's crazy i've never seen them in stores it looks like the inside is green yeah i'm not sure why they would turn purple necessarily so basically from from what i'm looking at right now um the 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 color of the bell pepper doesn't necessarily de depend on like the variety of the plant or anything it has to do with how long they're on the vine so um you know kind of of newer peppers are green the longer they've they've been on the vine they turn kind of a yellow and then orange and then eventually they turn red if they've been there for a while really yeah okay i so i wa i watched a time lapse on youtube of a I've been doing all my research on YouTube. It's such a lovely source. <laughs> it is. So um, I was watching a time lapse of these green pepper plants grow. And you know what? Looking at the fruit itself, it did change colors. But I just thought maybe they planted a red pepper plant to begin with. <laughs> no. So, yeah, it's it's apparently they're all the same, but it has to do with at what point they harvest it. So harvesting it earlier gets you a green pepper. Harvesting it later gets you a red pepper. And, you know, anywhere in between gets you yellow, orange. And I guess later you would eventually get purple. Uh, and, and does does climate have any effect on that? Because you have to keep them keep it alive for that period of time you know what i mean right so yeah every crop's going to have its own natural uh lifespan in terms of in terms of ripening but climate can play a role in that um you know use of, of different types of pesticides or fertilizers can have a role in that uh there's there's a, a bunch of different factors that, that influence ripening but um you know naturally peppers are going to have their own i'm not sure quite what the what the ripening rate for peppers is but that's going to be kind of the natural uh course you know they're, they're going to do things 
um, it's kind of interesting because I didn't know that like, I think peppers is one of the few crops that that we know about that is harvested at different points of its maturity. And that gets you different types of crops. Yeah, that it's that's very interesting to me. Yeah, no, I, I mean, like I said, I didn't really know a whole lot about peppers going into this, but this is really, really cool. So th- then my question is, when I'm at the store, okay, so when I'm at the store and I'm picking out some kind of a pepper, mm-hmm. some of them have like wrinkles and stuff in it. And I'd assume that's because they've been pulled from the plant. I always assumed it's because the, like they, they let the pepper grow too long or whatever, but in the process you know, you'd get a red pepper if you let it grow too long. Right. So, so that's because you pulled it from the plant. It could be. Um, so like a deformation of fruit and, and vegetables can often, uh, again, have a lot of different factors that are involved with it. Sometimes it has to do with the fact that the crop maybe just distributed the nutrients to that particular fruit differently than the other fruits on the crop. And that can cause uh, deformation. So like, uh, that's why you get different sizes of different fruits. Like if you have like a small orange and a big orange, the big orange got a lot more of the, uh, like the nutrients and the stuff that made it grow than the small orange did. The small orange is going to be a lot sweeter though. Right. Right. No, so it's, sense. it's the same idea with like the peppers. So the peppers have a natural shape that they tend to fill out into, but if the crop has, let's just say 10 peppers on it versus five, the one with five is going to have a lot bigger, more full looking peppers. And one with 10 are going to be a little bit more deformed, a little bit smaller. Okay. Um, I also read that, um, so if I want to grow more than one plant, I heard they're pretty competitive. So you got to space them out a certain amount. That makes like sense. Th- their, their roots like to attack each other or something. <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds about right. Um, there's, there's a lot of, especially like, you know, smaller gardening crops, they tend to be a bit more competitive. So you have to almost have them in separate pots. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, my I, my uh my mother is gonna get me a pot so I can plant them in there. Nice. I'm gonna grow food for the whole family, man. It's it's just that's been on my mind for the past month. I'm just like I need, <laughs> and it's the season. It um I'm here in Minnesota, mm-hmm. so the snow is melting and we're it's gone. Mm-hmm. We're starting to get a little bit of heat, so I feel like now is the time based on my research. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that'd be awesome to, to start getting into. Um, I would recommend, you know, from, from the health perspective, if you're looking for the most nutrition, apparently red peppers are the most healthy. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm all about the nutrition, just living a nutritious lifestyle and that's good to know. That's very (laughs) good to know. Yeah. So apparently, you know, from, from what my, from what my research states, uh, I guess the, uh, the longer it's been on the crop, the more nutrients get put into it, which makes sense from a crop perspective. And so the, the most ripe color would be the most nutrient dense. So red peppers, having been on the vine the longest, collect the most nutrition out of the crop. So they're going to be the, the most, you know, the most dense with it. Hey, do you have experience growing? Have you grown peppers? I have not. Um, I think my mom is actually growing peppers right now, but I haven't really talked to her about it a whole lot. I personally, you know, myself, I haven't grown anything um i've just kind of you know talked to a lot of people who have and i've done research on it and that sort of thing but i've always been more involved in like the cattle and and animal side of things i'm not so much into the crop side of things right i was i was um getting into that when i was listening to your podcast about the origins you Mm -hmm. were talking a lot about how you were into the cattle side of things and animal right yeah i mean i definitely have an interest in the crops i just haven't practiced it myself 
Now, do you know how they go about like mass producing green peppers then? Like, would it be like in a greenhouse or, or would there, is there like farms? Like I would imagine just acres of land of green peppers. Uh, let's that find doesn't out. that that doesn't seem very realistic to me. No, I mean it's. I'm sure that there there's some kind of controlled environment they have to do it in just to be able to make sure that they all ripen at the same rate, um, or right. else they probably have to just be collecting them all at the same like you know, over and over again to make sure they all get them at the right uh, stage right. of of maturity. But um, from what it looks like, they mostly grow them in like greenhouse kind of areas, which makes sense because yeah. then you can grow them. I mean. They'd it'd probably be in more of a climate where they can grow them year round, not right in Minnesota. Yeah, well, that's also a thing too. Is that um, you know, to, in order to make sure that they're available year round, they'll have to grow them in in controlled environments. So greenhouses, or even importing them from other countries that that have uh, different climates than we do. Um, I'm I'm sure that they're grown in because I'm from California. We grow everything, so I'm sure they're grown in different parts of California. Yeah. So I'm not. So, I'm also curious about if there's going to be any kind of enemies that come after my plants like bugs. Oh yeah. That's, that's going to be anything you grow. There's always going to be pests. Um, But if we, let me see what the bell pepper pest list looks like. So you got broad mites, leaf miners, melon thrips, pepper weevils. Those are kind of your more common pests you have to worry about. And is that something do I, should I spray my plant with something or just keep an eye on it? It's not something that's going to happen in 10 minutes. So that's something that's going to be more of a personal choice for you. Um, if you okay. feel comfortable spraying it and your plants are just getting eaten alive and you're, you can't find anything else to do about it, then uh, I would personally recommend spraying it. But there are other, you know, less um, chemically oriented methods of, of dealing with your plants. You can get beneficials. If you have kind of a larger operation, you can use um, organic pesticides that are more, um, you know, they're, they're, they're more oriented around getting the pests to go away instead of killing them. Uh, you can just move your, I'm not sure how, how viable this is, but you can move your crops to an environment where the, where the uh, pests have a hard time getting to them. Um, but so that's kind of a a personal choice on, on that level. At, At that point, you have to kind of decide like, okay, well, I have three plants. Is it worth investing money into pesticides that can get rid of this stuff? Or should I just kind of watch them and make sure that they're not getting eaten alive? No, that makes sense. That makes sense to me. I was, um, I was thinking about growing more than one plant just in mm-hmm. case, you know, it's going to be my first experience with uh, growing anything. So I was thinking about growing more than one plant just in case I mess up that one plant. But <laughs> I, apparently green peppers, you can't mess them up. That's, that's what, that's what I'm told. Yep. You can't mess them up. I'm, I'm still worried about messing it up. I, I could be that one in 100 person that messes up some <laughs> green peppers. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I've heard they're, they're a very easy crop to grow. So they're probably a good beginner crop for, you know, for anyone who's trying to garden or get into growing their own food. Um, so I'm, I'm sure that, you know, as long as you do your research and, and have a decent idea of what's expected out of you, because I mean, crops, people tend to think of crops as, you know, they're, they're these inanimate things that you don't really have to have to spend time with or anything like that. Crops function a lot like animals or even like humans, you know, they're, they require attention, you know, they require you to, to, to treat them as if you're, you're taking care of a baby, basically, you know, you gotta make sure you feed them on time, you give them water on time, you check on them every day to make sure they're healthy. Um, You know, some people even talk to their crops or sing to them. Um, Like they're, they're very much 
uh, oriented around, you know, a symbiotic relationship. So as long as you're, as long as you're paying attention and taking care of your crops, they'll do just fine. You know what? That's a big reason why I want to grow my plant. I, I, I want to get a fish tank, but mm-hmm. we don't have a room. We don't have room in the basement where to, for my fish tank. So my mom won't let me get a fish tank, <laughs> but she's all for me getting some green peppers. I want, I want to take care of those peppers and watch them just blossom. I was, I was thinking about, you know, recording the whole process on a podcast and just like, you know, the, the final little bit, you get to listen to me bite into the green pepper at the end. <laughs> yeah, no, that'd be awesome. I think that'd be a really fun experience to kind of, I mean, from, you know, from the perspective of my podcast, I'm all about teaching people about agriculture and getting them more exposed to it, getting them more accustomed to it. And so I think that having, you know, a, a almost like a vlog series of you growing your peppers for the first time and like the things you go through, the the, the things you struggle with, the things you do well, like that kind of stuff could be really, really good for you know, kind of teaching people what goes into growing food and that and that sort of thing. And is is your goal in life to own a farm? Uh, eventually, I would like to. Um, I so, so right now I'm still in college. I'm I'm studying to be an ag teacher. Um, so I'm I'm going to go to high school. Uh, I'm going to become a high school teacher and and teach you know high school kids about agriculture and kind of help them develop their own you know leadership skills, the public speaking stuff, all of that stuff that, you, that I covered in my origin. Uh, episode that kind of stuff is what i want to do for my future students but i would like to get a small you know a small either you know beef ranch or like a small uh, small crop field something that i can use to teach my my students so i wouldn't like to have it as like a as a commercial operation more just kind of as as an educational tool oh that's a wonderful idea i like (laughs) that a lot um i believe the university here in minnesota has is pretty good for agriculture they've got some fields set aside yeah and i've definitely heard that minnesota has some very very good agricultural universities and what what's sad to me i was talking with a guy about this at work yesterday you know i live in the suburbs here in minnesota and you know you used to be able to tell towns apart because there'd be a bunch of farmland in between each town Mm -hmm. and now it's like it's it's all houses all the all the um farmland that i grew up knowing is houses now it's kind of sad to me yeah no i i am 100 on on you know on board with with that idea i talk to my roommates quite a bit because we're all from the same little farm town we all moved up here together so we always talk about how when we when we graduate we're going to go back home we're going to live in our, our old hometown but we always you know we're kind of sad because our, our town's starting to get bigger, you know, they're starting to tear out farmland to build more city. And that's just like, you know, kind of breaks our heart because we grew up seeing all that farmland and getting to go play on it and talk to the farmers. And now that's starting to kind of get, you know, get taken away. So we're kind of we're kind of starting to see the, you know, the results of, of urbanization, which can be kind of, you know, disheartening to somebody who grew up with that. And, and I'm wondering what kind of an effect that's going to have on our food. Are we going to see a shortage in corn eventually because they're getting rid of all the corn fields or? So that's a really, it's a really good question. It's, it's a really complex conversation because nobody's, nobody can really say um, a big goal of, of mine at least is to try to raise more awareness about the fact that that's happening because if people understand that, you know, there's, there's a lot of, issues facing agriculture and if we continue to take out land we're not going to have enough of it to produce food for everybody then i hope that they would start to realize well maybe we shouldn't build more you know build more city without some kind of solution first 
So it's kind right. of, I personally don't think that we're ever going to run out of food or run out of, you know, I don't think we're going to have a, ever have a shortage on the scale that, that is possible because I think that people will kind of snap, you know, snap back to reality before then, or at least I hope so. But I think that we will run into some, some dangerous territory of, of, you know, not being able to have enough land. Cause the other thing too, is people always say, well, why don't we just tear down some old buildings and, and, you know, turn that back into farmland. You can't do that. Um, it takes about 500 years for soil to regenerate to even be usable again. So really, yeah. So it's really not feasible for us to just turn old, you know, destroyed land back into farmland because we literally don't have the technology to revive soil fast enough. So we're kind of in a, you know, thing that they're, they're, are they working on that? Like a way to speed up the process? Uh, soil scientists are, are, yeah, they're experimenting with some ways to see if they could bring soil back from the dead, basically. And it's just, it's, it's a lot harder to do than, than we thought. And it's just something that we, cause soil science is a very, very, it, it's a, it's a very old science, but it's our, our awareness of soil is very, very new. You know, we're starting to realize how important soil is for everything, how important it is for uh, crop health, for environmental health, for, you know, reversing a lot of the a lot of the environmental damage that's that's done by urbanization and by some levels of industrial agriculture. So like soil is incredibly, incredibly important. And we're just realizing now that if we damage it, we can't fix it. So we're starting to starting to take measures into our own hands to kind of say like, Hey, you know, we need to let everybody know that if this soil gets destroyed, we're kind of screwed at that point. You know, we, we really don't have a way of going back. So that's a lot like the the earth you know right people, people don't if you don't t- we got one earth take care of it right no exactly oh i mean it's it's almost it's, it's kind of funny you know the movie wally no i have not you haven't seen the movie wally no i i know i know i know what it's about the the robot thing right that goes right. to mars or the moon whatever it is <laughs> Well, the, the movie is about, you know, uh, it's, it's about a small robot who's taking care of Earth while everyone's gone because they, well, the movie is supposed to make you believe that they polluted Earth so much that they have to move away from it. Um, okay. And he's supposed to clean up all of their mess. Really, the reason they have to move away is because they urbanized so much, they destroyed so much cropland, they ran out of oxygen because plants produce oxygen to, to you know, for us to breathe. They destroyed right. so much land that they couldn't farm anymore and they ran out of oxygen to breathe. Um so it wasn't even that they had a food shortage. They literally just could not live on their planet anymore. Well, that, that's a lot darker than I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh. And so I, I actually, I'm, I'm planning on doing a full episode on, on a Wally breakdown at some point, but um, yeah. So like that, you know, that, that level of urbanization is something that's really like, I'm glad that Wally exists to kind of paint that picture, but people don't even realize that that's what it's about. They think it's about pollution and capitalism and all this kind of stuff like, no guys it's about destroying farmland that's the problem here like it's not until they come back and plant the first plant that everyone's able to live there again so it's it's very much about the, the plants it's not about you know capitalism it's not about pollution it's about taking care of our soil and you know they were gone for a couple hundred years that, that gave them enough time for the soil to kind of regenerate itself and they were able to use it again um but yeah so that's kind of on, on the topic of, you know, will we run out of food? I really hope not. I really hope that we have enough common sense to, to kind of, you know, fix it before then. But yeah. agriculture's having to evolve at such a rapid rate right now. We're having to adapt technology that's able to basically, you know, produce enough food on, on almost no land 
to be able to feed the world. And so it's, it's kind of incredible the technology we've been able to produce, but I would really rather us have the land available in case one day that's not an option anymore. Right. No, that makes complete sense to me. And uh, one thing I will say my town has done is although they're getting rid of some of the land, they did a, a little piece of old farm land was gated off and it is now a community garden so you can mm. get a plot in the community garden nice. that used to be farmland i think that's really cool yeah it's awesome and um another thing i think i think the whole like the coronavirus I, from my talk with people because i've been asking people at work i've been asking people in my daily life if they know how to grow green peppers or what kind of <laughs> knowledge they know enlighten me and a lot of people to that I've talked to have started to get into gardening. Mm -hmm. I think they have more time on their hands. So they're, you know, they're, they're focusing on growing some food. Um, one of my coworkers just started a little, uh, little hop garden. It's got some like basil and all sorts of stuff. I and mean, we've been talking, just think, I think it's wonderful that people are looking into food and, uh, trying to grow it themselves you know yeah no I, I agree with that you know completely I, I I've had the same experience you know as I've um as especially right after quarantine first started and people were kind of trying to find things to do uh I got a lot more attention on the podcast I had a guest come on that was asking you know kind of like you about you know how to garden how to get into agriculture how to learn more about different crops and all that kind of stuff um and a lot of it was because like you said they have more time on their hands and also they noticed how much of a food shortage there was in the stores and how much the prices had gone up and they were worried that they wouldn't be able to get food. So they want to figure out how to be able to grow their own if they ever needed to. And that was a really big talking point for a while was, you know, if the world shuts down, what happens with the food? And so people all of a sudden are starting to realize like, Hey, we might need to figure out where our food comes from and what to do if, if we don't have it anymore. And so that I, I mean, as terrible as everything happened, you know, was, I think that for agriculture, it was kind of a, a beneficial thing. You know, people started to really pay more attention to their food. They started taking interest in where it comes and where it comes from, and that was really, really good for you know conversations and for attention towards agricultural education. Yeah, I mean, we we see the shortage in you know like toilet paper. People are going nuts about toilet paper. I just feel like a lot of people have come accustomed to going to stores to buy things and they don't know where things are coming from or how to operate outside of like normal life like right. the, the the grid shuts down i mean you, you can talk you can talk smack about like doomsday preppers all you want but those guys are prepared right they, they, yeah they've got knowledge they've got skills and i think i i've just i think it's important that i learn the skill of producing my own food yeah, no, even I if mean, it even if it's in a short quantity, like at a, at a small scale, you know, I get 10 peppers from a plant or I get, you know, I, I grow 30 peppers a year, something like that. It's a smaller scale, but I think it's very important to learn that kind of a skill. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that, you know, to your point, people almost got into like this mode of being where they were like, you know, oh, everything's going to be fine. We'll always have food. We'll always have toilet paper, all that kind of stuff. And like they were used to being taken care of. And then as soon as that got thrown into whack, they almost like went into fight or flight mode and didn't know what to do about 
their situation, they were kind of, you know, they were stuck in like the world's going to end and I have nothing to do about it kind of mindset. And that really, you know, again, that's, that's not a good place to be, but it encourages really, really healthy conversations and encourages, you know, interest in new topics that they typically wouldn't have interest in. You know, it encourages people to ask questions about things and to look in, you know, do research on things and have, you know, genuine questions for people that they typically wouldn't ask about. And we saw a, we saw a massive surge in people, you know, looking up stuff about agriculture and looking for more agricultural podcasts. A lot of my um, ag podcaster friends had just gotten into the podcasting arena and they got a lot of attention because people were looking for that kind of stuff. It was, it was huge. It was awesome. It, and I think that I think it's wonderful. I think I think it's awesome. <laughs> I think anything that us humans can do to be more self-sufficient is worth time putting into it. You know, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people get frustrated because they think, oh, we're just going to grow some food right away. But it, it takes time, it takes time. Right. But when, like I said before, I just feel like once that green peppers in my hand, there's going to be this like sense of fulfillment in me. Yeah, no, I think that's, and I think that's a good goal to shoot towards. And, you know, you, so you picked, like I said, you picked a really good plant to start with, you know, green peppers are very easy to grow and they're very, you know, grower friendly and that sort of thing. So I think that you're going to have a lot of like, and, and not just, you know, not only will you feel accomplished in yourself or being able to grow it, but you'll have a new you know, appreciation for, you know, the soil, for the land, for the environment, for the crops, you know, just having that, that level of connection to your food is, is something that's really, really cool to have. Exactly. Instead of going to the store and buying two for four green peppers, I can just go out to my little pot and I can pluck two green peppers and just, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy <laughs> thinking about it. I'm smiling. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. That's awesome. I mean, I remember in high school, I was raising cattle for, you know, for beef Every time I would eat a steak or any kind of beef product, I was like, man, I, I know exactly what goes into this. This is awesome. You know, I feel a lot better about this. I, I, I've been to a uh, I've been to a meat processing plant. Mm-hmm. So I, I've seen the process of what it for. I, I don't see the cow growing up, but I see the cow marching in and I see what happens to get the beef. Right. I've seen that before. Yeah. No, it's definitely, I mean, I think it's an interesting process, at least. I know some people don't, uh, don't agree with me on that. It's smelly. That's for sure. That is for sure. It definitely has a, <laughs> has a smell to it. Um, there's, there's this guy I've been watching on YouTube. His name's Rob Greenfield. Hmm. And for a year, he only ate, so he had like a six month preparation. And then hmm. After the six months, he had one year where he only ate anything that he grew or that he foraged. And I think that is just awesome. Yeah. I don't know. That's like that. That's like he's done a lot of activism. He he had something about um, he, he wore every piece of trash that he made over the course of a year so like he was walking around with like garbage bags and it's like showing people how much crap you're creating for this earth so he does a lot of activism like that but i thought him learning to grow his own plant he only ate things that he has grown has been very interesting yeah it's kind of it's kind of like goals i, I want i want to do that <laughs> maybe not to a large you know a, a, as extreme as that but you know, maybe have a meal once a week from only things that I've planted. Yeah. And awesome. I, I, don't, I don't know what kind, 
I don't know if that's kind of a um, realistic goal living in Minnesota here. It, it might be something I could do during the summer. I don't know. Think things don't tend to grow in the winter, do they? Mm, there's <laughs> not very many crops that do. Need to seek seek help of a greenhouse. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No. Exactly. But yeah, no, I think that, I mean, I've seen guys like that before the very, you know, the, the, uh, like the pioneers that like to grow their own food and, and live off the land, all that kind of stuff. And I think it's awesome that people are getting into that, you know, that mindset and people are kind of looking up to them because that, you know, again, it promotes that, you know, appreciation for food, you know, cause food is, is arguably our most valuable resource besides maybe water but and people take it for granted man they do yeah the they don't... stores right down the street they can go walk there and go grab something right yeah no they they have no idea what goes into all the food that they eat how much work goes into you know uh producing that food and making sure it's healthy and safe and all that kind of stuff and and they just completely you know ignore the entire process because it's not it's not being shown to them they're kind of they're they're tangentially aware of the fact that it's happening and some people even aren't aren't aware of that they don't even know that that their food comes from a farm they think it just shows up in the grocery store right right i don't know about you but uh a homemade cookie is sure better than going to the store and grabbing a cookie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, no, I, agree. It's, I mean, that, that's, a, that's, you know, cooking, but you know, I, you grow things that go into that too. You know, the flour, right. the eggs, mm-hmm. um, ch- chickens have been an interest of mine as well. I can't do it cause I live at home right now, but eventually when I move out, I want some chickens, some yeah. laying chickens. Yeah. Uh, I have a coworker that does that as well. I've had some of his eggs and I, I don't, I think they taste better than going to the store and getting some eggs. Yeah, no, I definitely understand that. I mean, my girlfriend and her family raised chickens in their backyard. I mean, they live in the middle of the city, but they have little backyard chickens and they refuse to buy eggs from the store. Now they only eat their own eggs and they refuse to let me buy eggs now. So I have to eat all their eggs too. I mean, <laughs> their eggs are really good, but they scold me every time I buy eggs at the store now. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's very, you know, it's, it's a really, really fun lifestyle to be able to have that you know, and like now, you know, her little brothers can, can collect and sell the eggs and make some money off of them. And they take care of the chickens and that gives them some responsibility. Like there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of benefit to that. And there's some chickens that produce more eggs than you'll ever eat. Right. Exactly. I had a friend or I, you know, I still do. Uh, I was just talking to him the other day that he, so he's a dairy farmer, you know, so he's got cows and he's, he's got his own little zoo at home. So he's got the massive dairy right next to his house. And then he's got horses and donkeys he's got uh he's got nigerian dwarf goats he's got chickens he's got all kinds of weird stuff um he was telling me that he wants to get an emu so these goats what are they producing milk oh the nigerian dwarf goats yeah oh no he just has them as pets oh pet okay yeah though they're they're not good for a whole lot he kind of just has them because his wife wanted them they're just mini goats yeah those those are cool. They're cute. <laughs> They're really cool. They're fun. Uh, we got to go in there and play with them and stuff like that. They were they were a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, no, he wants to get an emu, and he said the reason why is because uh, emu eggs are so big that they could like he could have one egg and the leftovers would last him a week really yeah they're just massive massive eggs like he has a family of five that egg could feed his entire family for a couple days i'll be honest i didn't know emus laid eggs yeah, no, they're they're birds. They're just really, really big birds. So, would an emu egg taste different from a chicken egg? 
I would say probably. Uh, I'm not sure what emu eggs taste like, but they they would have a bit of a different taste to them because the the taste kind of depends on what they eat too. But a lot of it has to do okay. with the composition of the animal itself. Oh, okay. Is that the same for beef? Because I know there's like grass fed beef, and it, does that taste different? So that some people say it's more of an ethical thing, right? Yeah, it's it's kind of a that's a that's a a difficult conversation too um because everyone's got a different opinion on it i personally actually haven't had grass-fed beef yet just because it's really expensive and i haven't been able to but um i would try it just to see what the taste difference is but i know some people that say they taste exactly the same and other people that say that they taste nothing alike and so it kind of depends on the person um in terms of the, the nutritional composition there's no difference they are almost identical um there can be slight variation between the two, but one's not better than the other, just because it depends on what the breed of the cow or of the, of the, you know, the bull steer, whatever is, and what it eats, you know, a grass fed uh, steer is not going to have more nutrition than a grain fed steer, unless the grass fed steer is eating grass that has more nutrition than the grain fed steers grain. That makes sense. So yeah, they don't, as far as I know, the taste difference is kind of up to the person. The nutritional difference is minimal, if any, and the ethical difference is kind of, there's, there's different arguments to be made for both sides that both make sense. I mean, I'm, I kind of grew up eating grain fed beef and I worked in the grain fed beef operations. So like I am more leaning towards that side, but I have nothing against the grass fed side of things either. Right. I don't know. That may, that makes sense to me. I mean, if the if the grass has more nutrition, then maybe it tastes a little different. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll no, have exactly. to have a little taste test here. I I'm I'm not really uh I'm kind of just a eat it kind of a person. You know, I'll eat a dog. <laughs> I I went and bought some steaks for one dollar each the other day. Think nice. they taste any difference from you know the the hundred dollar steak. I can't taste the difference, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that, and that's how some people are, you know, some people have very, very, you know, particular picky tastes and other people they'll, you know, if it's a, if it's a steak, they'll eat it, you know? So it kind of, it, it's up to the person. Now I, I got one more question in, in regards to these green peppers. All right. So how, how do have this, the green peppers in the store, are they modified, like genetic, do they modify the seed at all to make them taste differently or make them grow bigger? Because we've, we've genetically modified things, right? We, so yes, uh, there, there are a few different crops that are genetically modified. Um, I'm looking it up right now to double check, but I don't believe that uh, bell peppers are genetically modified. Okay. Um, because there's only like... Uh, I think it's like 17 or something like that. Uh, let me see. Um, I can't find the whole, there's a whole list. Are, are watermelons one of them? The seedless uh, watermelon? No. So, so seedless watermelons are actually uh, crossbred to be seedless. They're not genetically. Modified. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. So there's, yeah, there's not a whole lot. I mean, like there's a little more than 10. I can't find the whole list right now, but here's the top 10. But like, yeah, there's not very many um corn is the most genetically modified yep i have heard that about like 98 percent of corn is genetically modified so it's, it's more rare to find non-gmo corn um and it, what what's the is there a reason for that so corn is is one of the easiest crops to grow period it, it grows everywhere and it's like impossible to kill um <laughs> and so it's 
we, we, we genetically modify it because it's one of the hardiest crops. And so it's, it's more likely to be able to take, you know, the different types of modification and, and be just fine. So we basically use, you know, we use, we use corn as a kind of a test for different genetic, you know, genetically modified uh, trials, um, which I mean, the public doesn't eat any, anything that hasn't been tested fully. I mean, like GMOs go through about 13 years worth of testing before the public even sees them. Um, so yeah, so like uh, genetically modified corn is entirely safe, but we've, we've tried to G uh, to GM it. So that way it's uh, more resistant to pests that way it grows better. And that way it has uh, larger yields that, you know, the, the actual corn itself is bigger and more, more abundant um, that it, you know, has, has more resistance to different types of weather conditions and, and different environmental factors. Like basically we, we just made it strong. You know, it, it wasn't like we, we changed it to do anything special or, or like to change color or anything like that. We just made it so that way it doesn't die as easily, which it already didn't. So it just kind of further solidified that. Right. Oh, that's, that's so cool. But green peppers aren't under that list, huh? I don't see them on here at all. Um, I'm not going to okay. say that there's no genetically modified green peppers, but there's a right. lot of crops out there that have like a non-GMO label on them, when in reality, there was never a, a, a genetically modified variant. So like grapes are a right. common example of that. Like there's, if you go to the store, you'll see grapes all over the place with the non-GMO label on it. Well, there's no such thing as a GMO grape. So there's- I think that that's a, that's a very- advertisement scheme yes and and that's that's another thing too that that's a whole conversation is you know labels are misleading and people believe labels and that causes a lot of issues and you know then people blame the farmers and the farmers don't pick the labels the advertisers do so it's kind of a whole you know there's a lot of issues with the whole labeling system and marketing at late late man from someone that comes from i, I love health and fitness i look at all the lab. There's some about going grocery shopping that I love, looking at labels and stuff. But yeah, yeah, they're misleading. They can yeah. advertisements and God knows. I hate the whole serving amount thing. Like they'll say <laughs> it's a hundred calories, but then they give you four servings. <laughs> right. It just it's strange to me that they're allowed to get away with stuff like that. Right. Yeah, no, it's it's the the labeling situation in in the marketing of food is just that's a whole nother conversation that needs to be had. Like, you know, people are like and really it comes down to people will believe it if they see it kind of thing. Like if people stopped, like if people understood that the labels that they see don't really mean anything, it would change a lot about the food industry. And I think for the better, you know, people would understand that, you know, if you see uh, two, you know, if you go to the store and you see chicken, like you're like over to the meat section, you see chicken and you see two chickens next to each other. And, uh, one says no hormones on it. The other one doesn't say anything. Well, you're automatically going to assume the one that doesn't have a label on it's going to have hormones in it. When in reality, it's never been legal to put hormones in chickens. So it like both of them should have that label on it, but the label doesn't matter anyway, because it's redundant. Don't they pump chicken full of water at the store to uh, make it look bigger? I'm sure that they have some kind of tactic for doing that at, at the processing level of things. I'm not entirely familiar with what the chicken industry do, does. I know that like with other meats, they really don't do that kind of stuff, but uh, the common misconception is that they pump chickens full of growth hormones and make them big and, and, you know, plump and all that kind of stuff. When in reality, we've just crossbred chickens to get really, really big. That's just kind of, right. you know, we've gotten really good at crossbreeding. We don't have to pull, pull them into a lab and do all kinds of weird Frankenstein stuff to them. Oh, this is all so interesting to me. <laughs> you know, I came, I came in not knowing a, a dang thing about a lot of this. I just had some questions on green peppers. 
<laughs> well, that's kind of the fun about agriculture. It can go a lot of different directions. But and I, I, every year I go up to the to the local farm, the the one that still exists here, and I go buy some of their corn. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I mean I, I'm all for supporting local farms too. I mean I think that you know buying stuff in a grocery store is just fine but if there's local farms that you know how it's grown and, and you know what goes into it and you know the people that grow it it's way more worth it to invest into them i when i was when i was a child i actually went to daycare with two of the farmer's kids so i i know the family oh that's awesome Got, gotta gotta buy some corn from them it's it's just <laughs> it tastes so good every year corn season go get a bag of 12 corns yeah no that, that's awesome um Oh, I, so I, I just found it. So yeah, it's yeah, bell peppers, broccoli, cucumbers, all of those are like, they're completely, there's no such thing as a, a GMO version of any of them. So even if you wanted to genetically modify bell peppers, they don't exist. Okay. So, I, I just, you know, I have no desire to modify them. I just don't <laughs> want the, I just don't want to end up feeding the local rabbits, my peppers. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I, I think that you'll be, you'll be just fine. Rabbits are cool and all, but I, I want, if I'm growing my peppers, they're for me, not my, not the rabbits. Right. <laughs> they're a bit more difficult to get rid of. You know, the, the pesticides tend to not work as them as well on, uh, on them as well, but it, you know, it's, it's, you're gonna have to deal with that kind of stuff when you're farming. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. uh, awesome. Well, I mean, hope that answered all your questions. I don't know if you have anything else you wanted to know more about. No, Brendan, I, I just, I appreciate you bringing me on. This is, like I said, this has been an experience I knew nothing about. I feel like I've gained a lot of knowledge and I, I look forward to listening to this back. Awesome. Yeah. And no, I think this was a really good episode. You asked some awesome questions and had a really good attitude going into it. You know, I have people come on sometimes that are very, I mean, not that they're not willing to hear what I have to say, but they're very kind of caught up in their mindset of, of what they believe about food. And so I'll tell them things and they're like, that's, you know, are, are, are you sure about that? And it's like, yes, I've, I promise you, you can do the research. <laughs> I, you know, and, and that's not to say I'm an expert. You know, I obviously was doing right. research while we were doing this episode. Um, you know, I, I don't know everything, but I try to combine my knowledge with, you know, with additional information. And if people want to do their own research and prove me wrong, I heavily encourage that. I think that having better conversations is, is the best goal at the end of the day. I, I'm I'm 100% in agreement. And uh, I, I don't think anyone's a, a really expert in anything. I think you should always be looking to grow and learn. Yeah. Yeah. And especially because, you know, ag agriculture is a science at the end of the day and science is always evolving. It's constantly in a change in a, in a state of flux. And so it's really important to, you know, even if you thought you knew something to update your, your knowledge on it, because, you know, uh, you know, two years ago, I might have told you, oh yeah, there's no such thing as a, as a GMO bell pepper. There could have been something that came out within the past two years I didn't know about. And so it's always important to double check on things, even if you think, you know. Yeah, no, I'm I'm a hundred percent in agreement with that, Brendan. <laughs> you know what? You know what? If I get a successful yield on my my green peppers, I want to send you one. Awesome. I will send you <laughs> one in the mail if I successfully grow up. <laughs> yeah, I want to hear all about it. And if you decide to to you know track your progress on growing it, I want to hear all about that too. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, yeah, I'm, and you know, once once you're kind of you know, in a place that, you know, once you start growing them and, and you're feeling pretty good about it, and, you know, you're more welcome to come back on and teach us everything you learned. I, that sounds like a deal to me. <laughs> awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Let's make that happen. Thanks yeah. again, Brendan. 
All right. Well, before we close out, uh, would you like to uh, go ahead and, and plug your podcast so everyone know where they could find you or anything like that? Yeah. Uh, Driving with Randy is my podcast. It's on like Spotify, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, all the, all the podcasting platforms out there. It's uh, it's basically me just talking and speaking in my car we go on adventures sometimes i do some skits sometimes i have some friends on we're all a big community and um you know you can reach out to me on twitter it's at thoughts by randy and that that that's basically it (laughs) awesome well thank you so much randy for joining me and for asking all these great questions having such a great conversation it was sure a pleasure to have you on it was a pleasure being here (laughs) Awesome. Well, again, thanks again. And thanks to all my listeners for tuning in. Hope to catch you guys next week. And don't forget, if you ate today, thank a farmer.